God, we do just want to come today and just say thank you. Thank you, God, in advance. God, thank you for what you're going to do today. God, thank you what you've done this week already. God, thank you that you were there even in the midst of the crazy. Thank you that you were always with us, God, even in those dark places, God, where it felt like there was nothing right going on. I thank you that you were still right there with us, even when we couldn't see you, even when we couldn't feel you at times. God, I thank you that you're ever-present help in our time of need. God, I thank you that we can still believe by faith that you are still there, that you're still working, that you're still moving, that you still move in the lives of your people. So I pray even today, God, you do a fresh work, you do a quick work, God, you do a suddenly work in our hearts today. I pray that every single heart is set ablaze with the fiery passion of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm very excited to be back in the house today, uh, continuing on our series on the armor of God. The Lord's been so gracious in revealing to us the deeper meanings of the pieces of the armor he's provided, but also, more importantly, how to actually use them, right? So how to actually wield them. They're not just going to do us any good if we have them, but they're just sitting around. We have to use them for their intended purposes. Remember, the pieces of the armor are not just defensive. They're also offensive, right? We talked about how from the original translation, it would be put on all the weapons, put on all the weapons. Also keep in mind our main passage in scripture speaking both to us as individuals, but also to us as a corporate body, the army of God. You can really only be a soldier if you're also part of an army, part of a unit, And you're being well-equipped by God to not just be protected from the enemy, but you've also been well-equipped by God to actually go out and take the attack to the enemy, to go out and actually take him on and fight him, and to actually go and bind the strong man, to plunder his house, to go back into the enemy's camp and recover everything that he's stolen from you, your family, and this territory you've been assigned to take back for God's glory. So I've come to stir up some faith in the house today. I've come to provoke and stoke the fire on the inside and to fan the flame hotter than it's ever been before in Jesus' name. I say faith rise up, faith increase, faith come back with a vengeance. You might be feeling overwhelmed. You might be feeling like the enemy's been relentlessly attacking you. Come on, somebody. Trying to undermine your faith in God, trying to rob you of your joy, trying to steal your strength and your hope, but I came to remind some radical remnant freedom fighters in the house today that the devil is a liar. God has not changed his mind. God is not a promise breaker. He's a promise keeper. God hasn't lost his position. He's still firmly established on his throne. God never lost a battle, and in fact, he never will. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He already made a public spectacle of the enemy at the cross, and he hasn't forgotten Forgotten about you. The Lord God Almighty thinks about you and his thoughts towards you are good, not evil. He's written you on the palm of his hand. He is still the author and the finisher of our faith. He will finish what he started. His word is still the final word and it will stand forever. That's why no matter what the battle, no matter what the trial, no matter what the circumstances or the devil might try and lie to tell you to get your eyes off of Jesus, we can still stand strong 
in the fight, full of faith, trusting in the Lord our God. Keep holding on and never let go of your fearless faith. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Today, we're looking at verse 16. This is actually going to be part one. There's no way I could get through this all today, but we're going to start taking up the shield of faith. So in the NIV, it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Similar to peace, there's so much in faith to explore and for the Lord to give revelation on, but we're just going to focus on a few of these to equip us as freedom fighters in this day and age. The first thing we have to unpack today is this. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. This is the foundational element of faith. Who do we put our faith in? Because our faith is only as good as who we place it in. So you can have faith, but actually put it in the wrong things. You can have faith but entrust it to the wrong person. Faith has to be properly placed. I'm sure if I did a poll in this room and asked how many of you have ever put your faith in the wrong person, someone who wasn't trustworthy or faithful, I'd probably get a 100% response rate. Or if I asked how many of you put your faith in something that ended up failing you and letting you down, it'd probably be the same thing. Why? Because there is no one and nothing in this world that's completely faithful. Everyone and everything in this world will eventually let us down, not fulfill their word or break and crumble under pressure, except for one. There is one and only one person who is completely worthy of all of our faith. There is only one we can confidently trust on and depend, and that is the Lord, because he's not a man that he should lie. He always keeps his promises. He's always true to his word. That's why we can confidently proclaim great is thy faithfulness. Faithfulness is his nature. It's who he is. So just so we're on the same page today, when we say faithfulness, that means trustworthy, reliable, 
true to one's word, promises or vows, constant, loyal, and unchanging. The first thing we have to look at today before we go out into the world, before we go out into our daily life, before we march out into battle, is our faith in the faithful one. I'll put it a different way. Is all our faith in the faithful one? Or do we trust in God, kind of, but also trust in lots of other things in the world or even other people? See, God's just not another boxcar that we just add on to the train of our lives. Oh, look. Oh, look. We've made room for God. Look, we let him tag along. Oh, we trust him too. God's not just another aspect of our life or a part of our life that we believe in in addition to everything else. God's in a class all by himself. He's not another boxcar. He's definitely not a little caboose. Jesus has to be the engine. He's the one that we follow after. He's the one that we go behind. He's just another part of our life. The Bible says it's Christ who is your life. He's not a part of your life. He is your life. And we trust in many different things, money, jobs, cars, houses, influence, reputation, wisdom, other people. But ultimately, as good as many of these things can be, they will not sustain us. They will not carry us or protect us through the battles and the storms of this life. God wants to be our protector. He wants to show himself faithful. He wants to be our shield, but we have to submit to him and let him. Remember, we've also been going through Psalm 91 and the many amazing promises available to us as we dwell in the secret place with God. And the Lord showed me this the other week, and it about blew me away. With everything we just said about faithfulness in the shield, we're going to look at Psalm 91, 4 through 5, and this would be in the NIV. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. God wants his faithfulness to be our shield. In fact, that's also one of his names, Jehovah Megan, the Lord, my shield. It says his faithfulness will be your shield. Because of God's faithfulness, we can put our faith in him. And as we put our faith in the perfectly faithful one, we can walk in confidence knowing God's got this. He is trustworthy. He is reliable. He is dependable. We are shielded and protected. We don't worry about what the enemy might try to throw at us at night. And we're not afraid of his fiery arrows by day because our faith is in the faithful one, the Lord, my shield which leads to the next, next aspect we have to look at today, and that is this, protective faith. Protective faith. Your faith is a shield that protects you. It's protective. It's one of the main functions. Your shield is the most prominent defensive weapon in the armor 
You need the shield of faith. You have to have this protection. Catch this. When mentioning the shield of faith, it's the one place in all of Ephesians 6 where a specific weapon of the enemy is called out by name. The other pieces of the armor, the attack that the enemy will bring, it's implied by the name and function of the piece of armor, what the enemy is going to try to come up against. But the Bible specifically takes a moment to mention in verse 16, you need the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's why you have a shield. You have an enemy. He's fighting against you. We get that. But what's he doing? The Bible says the evil one is sitting there shooting flaming arrows right at you. He's targeting you, your family, this church, the church. He's targeting this country. Hello. Don't forget, he is the prince of the power of the air, and he's launching arrows set ablaze with hellfire, trying to take us out. We got to keep our shields up. You got to keep your faith up to keep your shield up. Look to your neighbor and say, keep your faith up. Got to keep it up. There's two elements to this nasty weapon from the enemy. The arrow itself and the fire. Good thing for us, we have a shield that protects against both. (laughs) The shield doesn't just protect from the enemy's arrow hitting you. It actually extinguishes the fire. The shield puts out the enemy's fire. It also protects you from getting burned. See, the enemy isn't creative. He just counterfeits and perverts anything that God does in some way. God has a fiery love for us that will save us, but the enemy has a fiery hate that will try to destroy us. God has a fire that will purify us and make us holy, but the enemy has a fire that will sear our conscience and make us more of a son of the devil. God has a fire that will draw us closer to his presence and fellowship with humility and boldness, but the enemy has a fire that will push us further from the presence of God and run from his presence. God has a fire that will increase our faith and increase our capacity to trust him and a fire to believe him for the impossible. But the enemy has a fire that will try to decrease your faith, decrease your ability to believe God for anything. The question is, which fire consumes you? Which fire has your heart? There's a huge fire fight over faith. The enemy wants to try to extinguish or put out the fire of God on the inside of us, but our shield of faith is what enables us to put out the fire the enemy's trying to shoot at us. So being that these flaming arrows are specifically called out, what are some of these flaming arrows of the wicked one? According to one commentary, back then, the Greeks and the Romans actually had a little god. Depending on which culture, it might have been called Eros. It might have been called Cupid, hmm. who was said to take flaming arrows and shoot them at their target. 
So Paul's readers might have thought he was talking specifically about the temptation of sexual desire in this verse, although I'm sure he intended it to cover much more than that. I would say it's very safe to say the enemy has been effective in taking out believers, including leaders and pastors, with this exact type of flaming arrow of sexual temptation and perversion. But what's the root? He's attacking faith. Don't trust God to take care of your needs. Don't do things God's way. Take matters in your own hands. Do whatever you want. It's no big deal. Everybody else is doing it. So what do they do? They put the shields down, and then they're surprised when they get hit with arrows. And then them and the people around them, guess what? They get burned. Someone say, keep your shields up. Watch this now. What are some of these other flaming arrows? What's he going to do? I'm just going to touch on these real quick. Psalm 11:2, the wicked shoot at the upright. Psalm 57:4, their teeth are spears and arrows, their tongues a sharp sword. Psalm 58:3 through 7, speaking lies of poison. Let their arrows be cut in pieces. Psalm 64, 3, their tongues are like a sword. They shoot their arrows of bitter words. Psalm 121 through 4, lying lips, a false tongue, their sharp arrows with coals. Hello, flaming arrows. Proverbs 25, 18, bearing false witness is like a sharp arrow. What do these things have in common? The mouth. These arrows have to do with evil words directed and targeted right at you, which makes sense. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He is the slanderer. He is the liar and the father of lies. The enemy will absolutely come and use demons to try to shoot flaming arrows into your mind, negative thoughts, wrong thought patterns. But guess what? He's also going to try and employ some help. He's going to try to recruit some other people to come and help other people, even your own mouth, to try to come into agreement with him and say it out loud. Just say it. Just release that arrow. Oh, you got to watch out for friendly fire. Mm. Watch out for friendly fire from those closest to you. Yes, I'm talking about your family and friends. I'm even talking about your church family. We have to watch what comes out of our mouths, including your own mouth about yourself. Watch the words coming at you and watch the words coming out of you. Do they line up with God? Do they line up with faith? Are they wicked or are they righteous? Are they building up or tearing down? Are they lifting up Jesus or in some way lifting up the enemy? Are they speaking lies of poison or speaking truth of healing? The shield of faith is our barrier from all. Someone say all. All the flaming arrows of the evil one. Don't listen to the devil. Tell him to shut up and get out. Don't listen to those seeds of doubt and discouragement. Remind him who your God is. Remind him that the Lord is your shield. Remind him that your faith is not based on what is seen, but what is unseen. Your faith is not based on what is temporary. It's based on what is eternal. You have an unshakable faith. You have an enduring faith. You have a protective 
faith that will extinguish all the fiery arrows, but you better keep it up. God did not make you and equip you to have the enemy quench your fire. Oh, no. He made you and equipped you to go out and quench the enemy's fire. You know how the shields would quench those fiery arrows? The soldiers would actually go and wet the shields with water right before they would go out into battle. Mm, Y'all know where I'm going with this. So if any fire would come, it would go out on contact. That's why you got to wash yourself in the word every day. You better apply the water of that word every day before you go out into battle. It's too late if you go out and then, oh, no, I forgot to put the water of the word. Guess what? Now it's not wet. Now it's susceptible. It says what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, wash your shield of faith in the water of the word so it will quench and put out all the enemy's fire. Amen? Amen. What I want to do right now, I want to pray for you if you've been dealing with anything relating to faith. Hello, somebody. But if y'all need to go, you can go. But I'm going to open this up. If y'all need prayer for anything today, we love you guys. I'll, I'll pray and then y'all come. <laughs> Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are the faithful God, that you are our shield, that you are faithful and true, that you never change, that you're still the same. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, your character is still good. Your word is still true. It stands the test of time. Your word endures forever. Your word will stand. God, I thank you that we can stand on your word. We can stand on your truth and declare great is your faithfulness, God, to us. Great is your faithfulness. You are faithful. We put our hope and trust in you. We confidently expect to see you move. We confidently expect, God, to hear from you. Oh, to hear your voice. God, to see you move. Oh, we stir up our faith today. It doesn't matter what we've seen in the past. What does your word say? Oh, it says you're always working. You're always moving. You're the God of the impossible. Oh, nothing is too hard for you to do. So I thank you, God, for the faith that is being renewed in this room today. Oh, we speak to that fan. We fan the the fire of faith on the inside. Oh, we speak, rise up faith, rise up faith. Oh, stir up. Oh, we knock off every seed of doubt. Oh, we uproot you in the name of the Lord. Oh, we say faith will stand. Faith will increase. Faith will grow. We believe in you, God. You're going to do the impossible. We're going to see it. Everything that you said in your word, we're going to see it with our own eyes. We speak now by faith and say we're going to see it. We're going to see the blind eyes open. We're going to see the deaf ears open. We're going to see the mute speak. We're going to see the lame walk. We're going to see the prodigals come home. We're going to see the demonized delivered in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for revival. I thank you for hitting this city. God, with your power, with your love, God, you said you're going to pour out your spirit on all flesh. Well, guess what? We're right here saying, do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it in us. Start
start with us. Do it now. We believe you, God. You're going to pour it out. Pour it out more. Pour it out more. Oh, increase, God. Increase more than we've ever seen. Oh, do beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Oh, do exceedingly, abundantly above what we could imagine, God. We believe you can do it. We believe you want to do it. Oh, if you're looking for our people to agree, we agree with you and your word, God, that you're going to do it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, man. I feel, I feel faith filled right now. If you need anything right now, I'm just going to believe that you're going to get it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.